0: All right, so as you finish saying hello to someone, you can find your way back to your seat, and we will begin momentarily after the chatter dies down. I should never be allowed to do the opening again because I made that so ridiculously awkward. So it's my middle name, right? Okay, so we've got new people that are here today, so welcome. I know we've got some friends, a family. I think we've got people from Florida. I've got a couple of my friends that are here and just some, some others that have shown up. So yeah, welcome to Redstone Church Elizabethan. Uh, we love each other here, so we hope you'll stick around and, and get to see what the Lord um, is doing here. So we're going to jump into our passage in a moment. We're going to jump into our sermon in a moment. We are in the book of Ephesians. We've been in it for a long, long time, verse by verse. And I told Sam last week, I was like, we can't end Ephesians yet. I know that we're supposed to jump into Advent, but we cannot. So we've made some adjustments and we're going to um, finish Ephesians by adding a couple of extra weeks at the end and also be doing some Advent stuff. So you'll see what that looks like starting, I think next week or the week after, it doesn't matter. So, but we're gonna stay in Ephesians a little bit longer because there's too much that we need to, to cover. So with that being said, we're getting ready to open up the word of God. We're getting ready to read the word of God and study the word of God. And it is holy. So these are holy moments. So we want to go um, before the Lord. And I just wanted to say, for those of you that were at family meeting a couple weeks ago, I was supposed to be at Duke having surgery last week, if you'll remember. Yeah, and they canceled the surgery, so that was good. So they were like, no, nah, we're okay. We see some things, but we'll see you in May. And then we were like, yes, yes. So Sam was supposed to be preaching today, and I'm like, sorry, man, you don't get to. This is, this is my Sunday. So uh, let's, let's go to the Lord and give thanks and ask that he would open up his word. Father, we thank you for um, everyone that's here today. Lord, I thank you that you have chosen in your grace and your love and your mercy to communicate who you are through your son, Jesus Christ, and through your holy word. Lord, I pray that you would... Remove the things that are in our, in our hearts and our minds. We've come out of hard weeks. Some of us are struggling physically. Lord, some of us have relationship issues or money or job issues. And there's this thing that needs to be done tonight or tomorrow or the next day. Lord, please, oh God, remove those things from us so that we could truly hear from your word this morning. Lord, I pray it every week. Lord, what is of me? I pray that it would fall quickly to the ground. But may your words remain and change us. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So if you've got your Bibles, you might want to go to Ephesians chapter 6. We are in the armor of God. Last week, our new elder, newly ordained elder, Mike Tierney, walked us through. Do you remember the, the two that he walked us through last week? Who can tell me? Bell of Truth and breastplate of righteousness. So he walked through this like grid of, you know, truth. We find truth in the word. Um, John 17 says, you know, Jesus says, sanctify them by your, by your truth. The truth is your word. So the word of God is the truth. The truth is Jesus. I am the way, the truth and the life. The gospel is the truth that we're giving away. And all that goes back to the circle. So he showed that, you know, to us. So there's this truth. And I found myself this morning as I was praying for today, just kind of putting on the armor of God. And I started with truth. God, it's true. You did come. You loved me. You gave yourself for me. Um, I put on this belt of truth to hold everything else together. And then we go to this breastplate. I didn't have one for a breastplate, but this is the visual he gave us last week. This breastplate of righteousness. Okay, So we looked at the breastplate of righteousness to... to protect all of our our vital organs. It takes us back to Ephesians 1 through 3. We said, Ephesians 1 through 3, the position that we have in Jesus Christ, right? We go back to that and we recognize in the position that we have in Jesus Christ, 1 Corinthians 1.30, 2 Corinthians um, 5.21, that the righteousness of this perfect, perfect Jesus, this holy Jesus is imputed, is given to us and clothes us. So our righteousness is about as thick as a 249 dollars family dollar t-shirt, right? His righteousness is, this is a hard word for me to say, impenetrable. You know what I'm trying to say. You cannot penetrate it, right? It's perfect and it's holy and it's righteous. It's his righteousness, and that's true. And if we recognize that, even if we aren't walking through the rest of the armor, we understand I'm righteous in God's eyes because of what Jesus has done not because of me. So that's what he walked us through last week. And we said that we're going to continue looking at these defensive um, pieces of armor, but there's a couple of these defensive pieces. I see some offense in them that I had not seen until uh, this particular study, but we'll get to that in a moment. So we're going to look at our feet and we're going to look at our shield this morning. So if you got your worship guide, or if you don't, you can look up here. And if you got your Bible, we're going to go to Ephesians 6, 15 through 16. So let's read this together. You ready? All right. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace, in all circumstances take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all of the flaming darts of the evil one. So those are the two pieces of armor that we're going to look at. So... How many of you guys and gals in here, just, just be honest, you really, really like shoes? Raise your hands. Okay. I think we like shoes too in our household because we just moved and there's a group of guys from Redstone Elizabethan that helped me on Thursday and another group of guys that helped me on Friday. And you took everything that Cammie and I have accumulated in 31 years and you got it moved into a new house in like I don't know, nine hours. It was fascinating. But these guys would come out of my closet and they would be like, really, Jerry? They have like these bags full of shoes, right? And Cammie had a lot of shoes and I had a lot of shoes and I'm like, oh wow, we have a lot of shoes. So here's the first question. What what kinds of shoes are there? Just throw them out. What, tennis shoes, boots, hiking, High, high heels? And hiking boots. What else? What? Loafers? Okay, loafers. Water shoes? Okay. Sounds like something a, a former SEAL would say. Sorry, you brought that on yourself. Yes. Sandals? Okay, there's a lot of different shoes. Why? Why are there so many different kinds of shoes? different shoes for different occasions, right? And here's the thing, at the end of the day, protecting your feet is actually very, very important. So the military understands this and the military understood this. So, you know, these, these Roman soldiers would have these like half, you know, booted, um, you know, half boots with sturdy You know, nest to them, but they were not too heavy, and they would allow these soldiers to walk and to walk and to walk, and then to walk further and further and further. And they understood this one premise, and you need to hear this. This came out of our gospel sermon prep a couple weeks ago, sermon prep, and it says, if your feet are shot, then you are toast. If your feet are shot, you are toast. You must protect your feet. Anybody ever had, I'll probably pronounce it wrongly, but anybody ever had plantar fasciitis? Is it not like the absolute worst? You you get up in the morning, you can't make it to the bathroom, it's the worst. Or blisters on your feet, or sunburn on your feet. You know, you, you see some of these athletes, I remember Calvin Johnson or somebody, I can't remember who it was, amazing wide receiver and they're like, yeah he's out because he's got a hurt big toe. And I'm like, what a wimp. You know you're not going to play because you got a hurt big toe. Well, you can't function at full capacity unless your feet are in order, and we understand that as we're stepping into this topic because Isaiah 52:7 says how beautiful the mountains upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news. You can read the rest of the passage, but there's feet what brings good news? It's the feet of him who brings good news. And in this passage, our feet are being used to bring or to take the gospel to other people, but they're fitted with what? Let's look at it again. Let's go back and look at that passage again. It says, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. Our feet are not fitted with the gospel of peace. Our feet are fitted, if you look at this grammatically, Sam, you can correct me, but they're fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Okay, we are to be fitted with readiness. Readiness. Okay, so before we get into the readiness, let's just briefly look at the gospel of peace and then we'll come back to readiness in a moment. So if we go back to Ephesians chapter 2, we see that Jesus brought us near by the blood of Christ and we were made at peace with him. Okay, we see that there's now peace between a sinful man and a holy God. We also see that there's peace between, you remember in chapter two, between Jews and Gentiles, they were hostile. They, they did not like each other. And now there's, they're together and they're worshiping Jesus in the church of Ephesus. And it's an amazing thing because of what Jesus has done. And, and hear me on this, because this is the one that we probably struggle with the most. We not only are at peace with God and we're at peace with one another, okay? But it brings peace to ourselves as well, we are able to not walk in guilt. We, we can be at peace because of what Jesus has done. That sin that we committed when we were in high school or college or last year or yesterday, does not have to plague us. We don't have to walk in guilt having been justified. We are at peace with God. It's an amazing verse, Romans 5.1. I encourage you to take this one, maybe make a note circle it, highlight it, but it committed to memory. Therefore, since we have been, past tense, justified, declared not guilty because of what Jesus has done, we have, present tense, now and forevermore, peace with God. And if we are at peace with God, then we do not have to walk around condemning ourselves, because if we do so, we are elevating our opinion of our sins above God's, and that's a little bit arrogant to do. If he's looking at us and saying, I've forgiven that, then who are we to say, well, I haven't, and I'm gonna beat myself up over it until I feel a little bit better. That makes absolutely no sense, but that's what we do sometimes. So right here in the middle of this lengthy passage about a battle, a spiritual battle, intertwined in the middle of it is a message about peace. I mean, you talk about war and peace. There's this this gentleman that Sam and I really like. His name's Tony Morita. And in his commentary, he makes uh, this point about just Ephesians in general. But he's talking about the gospel. And it says, this is the difference with our mission and other religious missions. We are not taking life. We are offering life. Everything that Christianity brings with these feet, this gospel of good news, is bringing peace to people. You know, we're not fighting with anyone. We're not trying to take someone's life. It's not a violent religion. It's a message of hope, forgiveness, and peace. And if this gospel is true, and it is, and you know it is, and I know that it is, but we need to be reminded that it is, and we'll come back to that in a moment, then we must, not we should, but we must be willing to share it with others. We've got to figure out how to do that. And that takes us to truth number one. And this one, if you're new to Redstone, this one's in your worship guide, if you like to fill in the blanks. So it is the peace of God found in the gospel that is the catalyst that prepares us for readiness. Okay, So it's the peace of God, because of what Jesus has done through the gospel, that's the catalyst that prepares us and allows us to be able to move forward and to share this gospel of peace okay so now let's go back to ephesians 6:15. it says and as shoes for your feet having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace and i said it a moment ago this piece of armor that we're talking about today is not the gospel itself but the readiness to be able to share the gospel so i call it a gospel readiness I like that phrase, gospel readiness. Last year, we talked about gospel boldness. This is gospel readiness. So I'm going to give you a few of what I call um, the whys of gospel readiness. There's probably more. And you know us, we'll pass the microphone around later, so if you're like, oh yeah, you, lift up, you know, left off a couple of those, bring them my way, because these are just the ones that came to me. So these are some whys of gospel readiness. I don't have them in your, your you know, worship guide, but if you want to jot some of them down, you can. So the first why of gospel readiness, because we have opportunities before us every single day to share this gospel. So we've got to be ready. You know, my passage is Colossians 4, 2. Remain steadfast in prayer and watchful in it with thanksgiving. In other words, be prayerful all the time and keep your eyes open and pay attention because Jesus will put somebody in front of you, and when he does, you got to be able to pay attention to that conversation. Sometimes the door is going to open and you are going to see it. you got to be willing to step into it, but if you've got your eyes closed and if you're not paying any attention, you will not. Okay, so the first why is because he gives us opportunities every single day your world your people your neighbors it's different than mine he's called you and planted you in that arena and he's asking you to share this gospel of peace with these people and he's saying be ready so that's the first why the second why of gospel readiness is because everyone everyone that's here and then it's in this whole world is searching for and longing for the same things these are the ones that i wrote down identity acceptance, love, care, forgiveness, happiness, fulfillment, fulfillment, and a purpose for living. That's why we exist. Those are the things that we're longing for, and we as human beings will look for those things everywhere and in everything. So it's either going to be relationships that we run to or it's clubs or it's some new adventure or it's success or money or a home or a car or whatever. We'll do anything that we can to try to find these things, but they can only be found in the gospel. And Jesus has wired us in such a way that nothing else will ever satisfy. Even if we have all of those things, we're still going to sense something's still off, something's still not right because you're not walking at peace with God. The whole point is God has created us to have a relationship with him. And if your relationships are with everyone else, but not with God, you're missing the whole point. And he'll make sure that you recognize that something is still amiss. Okay. The next why of gospel readiness, because Jesus commands us to go, to tell, to share. It's the last thing Jesus says before he ascends into heaven. And I make note of that often. So Jesus has you know, done all of his earthly ministry. He's at year 33. He's risen from the dead. He's getting ready to ascend into heaven. And he says, I've got one more thing I want to say to you. I need you to go and make disciples. You must be ready. It's the last thing he says, right? The very last thing, and I think that there's just a weight to that. There's an importance to that understand this is what I've done now I need you to be ready and to go and then I said this earlier but the last why of gospel readiness is because if he has transformed you if you really understand the gospel if I really understand the gospel if I really understand that I am forgiven I have to be willing to share that with someone else how can I hold on to that right and if we find that our feet and our mouths are never willing to share the truths of what Jesus has done, then something's amiss. Something's off with that. Because that's what he's called us to do. Word of God says that we are now his ambassadors, as though he's making his appeal through us. We have to be ready. So, like I said, there's probably several more, but there's some of our whys of gospel readiness. Now let's look at some of the hows of gospel readiness. Now, I would say that one of the hows of gospel readiness is that you have to be a Christian first. Now, this sounds a little odd, but that's actually not scriptural. All right, you go to Philippians, and you're going to see that there were people that may or may not have been believers, I'm not sure, but they were sharing the gospel for all of these wrong motives. They were actually c- trying to cause pain to Paul. Maybe so he would get put into prison. So their motives were wrong, and Paul's like, I don't care. The gospel's being proclaimed, and for that I rejoice because it's the gospel itself, it's the good news of what Jesus has done that is the power of God into salvation for everyone who believes. It's the gospel who saves, it's not us. Right? So you can actually be an unbeliever and understand the tenets of the gospel and go through the scriptures and read through John 3:16 and Romans 3:23 and 6:23 and you know go on and so forth or so on and so forth and read through these passages and someone could just break and receive Christ I don't get that but that's what God has chosen to do so it's actually not required to be a believer but it's the gospel that saves and that should take some of the weight off of our shoulders you think I have to have it all together I've got to be living a sinless life I've got to have all these passages memorized I've got to blank 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 before I could ever be effective and being ready to go share and the Lord's like that's not true I haven't created you to be the saver of humanity only God can save people but he chooses to do it through this message Paul says through the foolishness of what is preached to the foolishness of what is preached okay so the real first how of gospel readiness though is you should got to know the gospel we did this video project last year, year in our community groups we called it the gospel readiness project and one of the the tools that we gave to people was you got to know the gospel can you articulate the gospel to someone else you know you can do that through having um, a series of scriptures that you're going to you know, have memorized or be able to you know, open up and share with people. You can do that through your personal testimony of who Jesus is and what he has done and what he's done in your life. There's different ways that you can do it, but you've got to be able to share the actual gospel with people. So the first how is that we have to know the gospel. The second one is that we have to understand how the gospel is different from every other religion that exists. We have to be able to um, articulate the difference between gospel and religion, um, or grace and belief versus works, or doing, or keeping the law. Because hear me on this. Every other religion, and I know you know this, but it's good to be reminded, every other religion is trying to work, 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 work until God says, yeah, you've done well. You've done your works. That's good enough. You have whatever. And therefore, you um, are now forgiven. You know, you you can come into my kingdom. Christianity is just the opposite. You're not saved by works, by grace, through faith, not of works, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It's only by what Jesus has done. And we have to understand that. Um, Otherwise, we're going to mix Christianity with all of the other religions. And people say, well, they're kind of all the same. Because ultimately, every religion is about doing good works and loving other people. And we have to be able to say, no, that's actually not true. Yeah, we need to love people. And yeah, we need to do good works. But salvation comes because we're broken. This is the Pharisee and the tax collector. And the Pharisee says, man, I'm glad I'm not like this tax collector. You know, I'm glad that I give a tenth. And I'm glad that I do these other acts of righteousness. And the tax collector won't even look up to heaven. He beats his breast and he says, oh, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus says, which of those do you think is going to be justified before God? It's the person who recognizes his brokenness. It's the tax collector. And that's the difference. Christianity says we're a mess. We're a stinking mess, every single one of us. And the only hope that we have is in a gospel where, the, where God chooses to seek us out and to love us. And it's because of what he has done, not because of our works. So that is actually a how of gospel readiness. I have to be able to share that with people. I have to help them to understand that before they're going to understand the difference between the gospel and other religions. Second Timothy 2.15 says one of the ways that we do this is to study, to, sh- to study to show ourselves approved. We have to be in the Word of God. We're going to come back to that in a few weeks. It's going to be one of the, you know, the offensive, you know, pieces of arsenal that we're going to spend probably a whole Sunday talking about, but we, we've got to be in the Word of God. You cannot follow Jesus, be effective, and be ready if you're not in the Word of God on a regular basis. And then the last, last um, how of gospel readiness, I think is just being available, being willing, being you know, the individual that'll say, I'll do it. I'm not sure exactly what I'm going to say in this situation, but I'll open my mouth. I'll say something. I'll go have coffee with this person. You know, I'll go for a walk with this person and just ask to hear their story. I'll try. Lord, you're going to have to speak through me because I don't know how to do this. But I'm willing. And the Lord will always take a willing, willing vessel. So it's interesting to me when I think about the protection of our feet. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about this readiness that comes from the, from the gospel of peace. On one hand, our feet have to be protected. Remember what I said, if your feet are a mess, you're toast. You know, you're not going to be able to do anything. But it's the feet that enables us to move forward in our advance against the enemy. And that's where I was like, oh, I've never really paid attention to that. I hadn't thought about that. Jesus says the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. gates are defensive. We are to move forward with gospel boldness and to break down the walls of hostility and to fight against the enemy. That means we always, always continue to move forward. And that in itself actually is offensive. We protect our feet, but our feet cannot remain stagnant. Sometimes they do have to stop. And we're going to talk about that with a shield of faith. But they continue to move forward. So we stand firm with our feet. But once we stand firm and once we've taken the onslaught of the enemy, then we continue to move forward. So readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. You got that? So we've got the belt of truth. Mike talked about that last week. The truth of what Jesus has done and who he is and the gospel and and the word. We've got the um, breastplate of righteousness. The righteousness of Jesus has been given to me. It clothes me so that when God looks at me, he doesn't see my sin. He sees Jesus as a righteousness. And now we've got our feet fitted with the readiness that enables us to be willing to go tell that to other people. Are you cracking with me? Everybody good? Okay, so we're going to go to the next piece. The next piece is, turn in, your, in the, your, your Bible again, just the very next verse. It says, in all circumstances, take up, and here it is, the shield of faith, which will which which you can extinguish all of the flaming darts of the evil one. So we now move to the shield of faith. Faith. Pretty important. How so? Well, here's a couple passages for you. Listen to these. Hebrews 11:6, are you listening? says and without faith it is impossible to please him. So there's that. Right? Let's just start there. If you don't have faith, you cannot please God. Ephesians 2, we are saved by grace through faith. Thank you, Sally. Through faith. Or as Romans 1.17, Galatians 3.11, Hebrews 10.38, and Habakkuk 2.4 all say, the righteous shall live by faith. So yeah, faith is important without it we can't please him it is the instrument that he uses to save us and it is what we live by on a daily basis so it must be pretty important Hebrews 11 says and most of us know this passage now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen I don't see God but I believe that he exists I don't always feel forgiven but I know that I am I don't feel like that the Lord is with me in this moment and in this struggle, but I choose to believe that he is because his word says he'll never leave me and he will never forsake me. So it's pretty, pretty important. And the word says that we overcome these schemes of the enemy by this shield. Not a small shield. You saw the picture earlier. This is a large shield. Think Gladiator. A really gruesome guy movie that I did not just endorse to you guys. So, just saying. But there's this large shield and it protects the whole body from whatever is coming. These these just legions of flaming arrows and you just hide behind this shield. So sometimes you stop, sometimes you hide behind it and choo 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 choo. And then after that's over, what do you do? You continue moving forward. So again, it's like our feet. It's got this offensive component to it as well, because it enables us to move forward. If we retreat, turn our backs, we're done. We always move forward. The gates of hell will not prevail against Christ's church. So let's look at the shield of faith. Let's go through the passage again. It first off starts off, it says, in all circumstances. Do you see that? I wonder what he really means by all circumstances. Is it some circumstances but not physical ones, some circumstances but not relational ones, not my marriage, you know all other situations but not my marriage, or some circumstances but not between me and my kids, or between me and my parents, or my future or this job situation that I'm dealing with or my education. So maybe all circumstances doesn't include some particular circumstance that you are currently going through or that I am currently going through. Or maybe scripture is clear and black and white and it means exactly what it says. And it says that the shield of faith will protect us in all circumstances that we find ourselves fighting the enemy. There's a lot here, so I want to make sure that we pause just for a second so you can think. What are you going through right now? What are you going through? What's our church going through collectively? But maybe what are you going through? Is there a battle? Are you finding yourself in a battle? I know some of you are. I've had conversations with you over the past couple of weeks. Some of you are really, really struggling right now. I got a text couple of days ago and it's like you know what i think that this thing is spiritual you know there's a real battle that is going on the enemy will scheme he will do anything he can to bring division to attack you and to keep your feet from being ready to share this gospel if he can hamstring you then you will not do anything at all you will be consumed by this pain you will be consumed by this dilemma or by this controversy. And if you are, you will not do anything to further the kingdom of God. Enemy wins. We're sidelined. Some of you are going through stuff right now. And the word of God from him to us this morning says that the shield of faith will quench all of the fiery arrows including the one that you're going through see that believe that and how do you do that what is this faith well we need to keep it simple this goes back to our coffee yesterday i said there's just some basic things that we must believe if we're going to take up this shield of faith first one we have faith that there really is a god we have faith that this god is good we have faith that god loves you and me and that he sent his son jesus christ to die for us i choose to believe that when he promises i will never leave you nor will i ever forsake you i take up the shield of faith by choosing to believe that he is with me no matter what i'm going through i take up the shield of faith by believing that the enemy was defeated that sin was defeated and that death was defeated once for all i take up the shield of faith by believing that i am now god's child i am clothed in the righteousness of jesus christ and he has something better for me but he's going to help me he's my father i am am his son or my or his daughter i could go on and on you could give me more, but it takes us to truth number two. It is our faith in God and in the truths of His glorious gospel that empower us to withstand the assaults of our wicked and already defeated foe. He is wicked, and He is defeated. Revelation 12 says this, verse 11 and following. It says, and they conquered him. This is the enemy who knows that his time is short. So he has this onslaught upon the church and he, he accuses them day and night. You remember I talked about this about a month ago, right? He, when this happens, it says they overcame him by the blood of the lamb, believing that Jesus gave himself to cover my sins by the word of their testimony because they're willing to share. They are ready. And they love their lives not so much as to shrink from death. They're willing to die for him because death has already been defeated. In other words, they overcame the enemy by their faith. Now, whatever you're coming at me with, I choose to believe God and his gospel. And enemy... The worst thing that you can do, the last thing you can do, I've said this from this pulpit often, I will again. The last thing, the worst thing you can do is to take my life. Even there you are defeated. I will rise again. You will spend eternity in a pit of hell. I will rise again. If Jesus allows you to take my life, I laugh at you. There's a boldness that's there because we choose to take up the shield of faith. Our enemy has nothing on us. And if we believe that, his schemes are quenched. They're gone. They can do nothing. So the passage tells us in all circumstances to take up the shield of faith. To take it up. Katie McCain, last week we passed a microphone around. I know she's out of town this morning, but she asked this really, really good question. She was like, but how do we apply these truths and daily put on our belt of truth and our breastplate of righteousness? If you were here last week, you heard that question and there were some great responses. And I remember like texting her like right afterward. And I was like, you know what? This looks like Hebrews 3.13 to me. And I wanna share that with you. Hebrews 3.13 says, exhort one another every day, as long as it's called today. In other words, I need to remember these truths and I need to give these truths away to you, the church. As often as I can, every day, as long as it's called today. Because here's what happens. When I take this gospel truth and I decide to give it away to Jenny Smith. You're just on the front row, sorry, picking on you. And I'm like, Jenny, get this passage? Da-da-da-da. Just believe this truth. When I do that and give that to her, I'm believing it myself as well. I'm building up her faith, but I'm reminding myself of these truths as well. And that's what we do. There's this great passage in Romans 10:17. And here's the thing I'm going for. Because this faith comes, you see it right here? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. How is our faith developed? How is it made bigger and stronger? It's because we're hearing the gospel. You can't conjure up faith. You can't be like, okay, I'm just going to meditate and I'm going to have faith and I'm going to see if I can have just a little bit more. And now, Okay, that's enough. A sickness go away or a controversy go away. You can't do that. Your faith is not in faith. Your faith is in God who has revealed himself through Jesus Christ and his gospel. And it's the faith that comes from hearing the word of Christ that develops us in our faith. And the more I understand that gospel, the more I articulate it, the more it's going to enable me and help me. But sometimes, Sometimes I'm an absolute mess. Sometimes I am incapable of going and searching for and reminding myself of these truths. Sometimes you're depressed. Sometimes you're just in a ditch. And sometimes getting a phone call or a visit or a coffee or a text from someone that says, I am praying for you and I need to remind you of this truth. You need to believe it and I, I will come, be with you, pray with you, pray for you or whatever. That's what we need. It's, it's Remember, you've got the paralytic and, and his friends come and they pick him up and they take him and they drop him through the, the ceiling, the roof um, of Jesus. He was incapable of taking himself to Jesus. It took his friends to do that. That's what I was trying to tell Katie. I need to be reminded of these truths, but sometimes it's hard. How do I take it up? I don't know. What would it look like if we all took it up every single week, every single day, and we chose to, in our world, in our periphery, if we said, you know what? I'm going to give a gospel truth or two away to these people today and these people tomorrow. And while I'm doing that, ding, ding, they start coming my way as well. Man, our faith would just increase. I think that that's what we're talking about when we're talking about putting on the shield of faith. Sam, I'm going to skip through some stuff. I got too much content, man. So I've got a lot to say. So I'm going to continue. Okay, let's go to Ephesians six sixteen. Let me just say this though. I have this one section here. I'm not going to cover it, but there's this one part in Galatians 220 where it says this. It says that he loved me and gave himself for me confession from your pastor. This was the biggest struggle that I had in my life. It wasn't believing the gospel of God and his love for humanity and the world. It was believing that this God who is infinite and powerful and all-knowing and wise and just he's God, that he knows me and that he actually loves me. I struggled with that one. That was my big one. That was my hang up. I can be a Jesus follower, and I can love other people, and I can teach truths or whatever, but when I would go home, I didn't really believe. Kilby, can you keep it down over there with you and Theo? Sorry, she's got Sam's baby. It's my daughter. I'm allowed to say that. Okay, so, um, you know, but it's this struggle of believing that he actually loves me, right? So it says he loved me, and he gave himself up for me. I invite you to say that with me. Can you say it? He loved me. And he gave himself up for me. Right? So pretty much that's what I was going to share. But if you'll believe that, it's golden. If you don't believe that, then you're really going to struggle. Jesus loves you. This I know. Why? For the Bible tells me so. Isn't that a great kid song? Okay. Ephesians 6:16. 6, In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can, you can extinguish all of the flaming darts of the evil one, you can, you can. Remember last week at the end, I think I took the microphone back in the back and I said, the great reminder here, remember Paul is addressing the church of Ephesus. Oftentimes when we read these passages or we read the armor of God, it's just me as an individual. He's addressing the church. Do you understand that? So he's saying church, take up the belt of truth. Put on the breastplate of righteousness. Have your feet, uh, church, fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. Church, take up the shield of faith. It's as if he is saying the enemy is going to come against you, church of Ephesus, and you can extinguish every flaming dart that's going to come your way. Same thing, Redstone Elizabethan. When we read this passage, let's not make it so individualized though I think it does apply to us individually individually but the enemy I found myself yesterday as I was praying and thinking about this I'm like oh God protect Redstone Church Elizabethan and then some of my other you know churches that I love so much the enemy is going to come against us he will and when he does when the schemer comes against us let's put on the armor let's fight against him And how do we do that? Well, I got a list. You know me, I got a list. I'll tell you how. We preach Christ and Him crucified. We take the gospel and the gospel only as a thing that we serve at our table. We point to Jesus and not the speaker or the speakers or the elders or the musicians or the church itself. We stay in his word. Verse by verse, we try to figure out what it's saying to us. It's the word of God that's life-giving, that sustains us and strengthens us. All of scripture from uh, Genesis to Revelation points to the gospel, all of it. And we must find these gospel truths and then believe them and rejoice in them. Believe them and then give them away. Believe them, and then fit our feet with this readiness that is willing to go share them with others. That's how we take the shield of faith up. We preach Christ. It's only his gospel. It's nothing else. We don't try to entertain you. We keep church simple. It's Jesus It's his word, it's relationship with him and with one another and going about the business that he's called us to do. That's what we need to be doing. So yeah, this directive is written to the church. So let's not forget that. But you can apply it to your life as well because as I said earlier, the righteous, righteous individuals will live by faith. Okay, lastly, then we're going to close in a moment. This word extinguish here, uh, sabinumi, it's the Greek word that's here, sabinumi. And it means to quench, to quell, to put out, or to stop burning. It's um, a burning candle after water has been poured on it or a, a match that's extinguished just with your, your wet fingertips. A flaming arrow that lands in a pool of water. What happens? It goes out. It goes out. It is quenched. It loses its destructive effect. There's some kind of a law of science here that you all could probably explain to me, and I know that there are some of you that exist in this room, and you're going to make fun of me after the service, and I'm always okay with that. But all I know is that the properties that are found in one substance are stronger than the properties that are found in the other substance, and good always overcomes evil and jesus always overcomes the enemy and faith always quenches the fiery arrows of the evil one and that's all the science that i need to know be strong in the lord remember that's how we started this section in ephesians we started there be strong in the lord and in the power of his might its spiritual armor because it's a spiritual battle and you and I are incapable of fighting this foe on our own, but our God is fully capable. It is him and it is his strength. And this is why we're going to take our time and finish this section well, because he says, and take up the whole armor of God. Every piece is important including our feet and including our shield of faith belt of truth breastplate of righteousness readiness that comes from the gospel of peace and now taking up the shield of faith which will quench all of the fiery arrows of the evil one this is what he's called us to next week lord willing we'll look at the helmet of salvation and maybe even the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We'll see. I don't care. We'll take our time and get through it. But in the meantime, let's take what we've heard this morning. Just take it before the Lord. You in a battle? You struggling? You having a hard time taking up your shield of faith? Are your feet fitted with a readiness that comes from the gospel? Do you understand the gospel? Or are you showing up today and you're like, I've heard this stuff all my life, but I don't really understand this gospel. I really, really need somebody to explain it. We will. I'd rather do it over coffee. I'll do it after the service today. Sam will do it. Community group leaders will do it. There's plenty of capable men and women in this church that can walk you through the gospel. But it starts there. It's the gospel. It's everything. The gospel changes everything. Let's just bow our heads. Spend a few moments in prayer, and then we'll open it up and see if you guys have a response.